But what Nike has done with this advertisement, they've co-opted the righteousness with which Colin was kneeling. And what they are doing is invoking emotion on the part of Americans and reducing those Americans to consumers. They are reducing the issue to capitalist, materialist, consumerist behaviors. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, what do you think we're talking about? You know what we're talking about. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. Yes, we're talking about the intersection, the collision, if you will, of Colin Kaepernick and Nike. This week, we speak to longtime human rights political activist and former coach Jim Cady about his experience with Nike when he was coaching at St. John's University and the fallout of his challenging the sneaker giant. Also, I've got my own choice words about this complicated weaving of commerce and political dissent that we're seeing with this Nike ad. I've also got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down awards. And do we really need a Colin Kaepernick watch this week? Well, we'll try to do one anyway, and so much more. But first, let's go to Jim Cady. So, Jim, for people who don't know your story, before we get into anything about Colin Kaepernick, can you talk about your experience with Nike? Sure. Uh, Back in the late 90s, I was an assistant men's soccer coach at St. John's University in New York City. Uh, At the time, we were the NCAA Division I defending national champions. We were the best team in the country. And while I was coaching the goalkeepers at St. John's, I was also doing a graduate degree in theology. And in one of my first classes, I started writing a paper about Nike's labor practices in light of what's called Catholic social teaching. What I found was if you wanted to pick a company that violated everything we claim to stand for as the largest Catholic university in the United States, Nike would be the perfect case study. And at the same time that I was finding this out in my theological studies over in athletics, we were negotiating a three and a half million dollar endorsement deal with Nike And as part of that deal, I was going to have to wear and promote their products. And I tried to negotiate myself out of the deal behind the scenes for about a year. And then eventually I took a public stand and I said, I cannot and will not be a walking advertisement for a company that is exploiting mostly poor women of color in developing countries around the world. And I was told by my head coach, you will wear Nike and you will drop this or you will get out. I held my ground. I was forced to resign. I became and still am the only athlete in the world to say no to Nike over their sweatshop abuses. And that's when that issue was first exploding into the consciousness of uh, mainstream America. And I became this instant expert. And I started getting invited to college campuses all over the country to talk about the issue. This is when the United Students Against Sweatshops movement was just in its infancy. Uh, So I was given these lectures around the country and in the audience. You know, you'd have the, the capitalist uh, market fundamentalists saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Those are great jobs for those poor people. What else would they be doing? You know, they should be thankful that Nike's even there. And I knew from my research that they were wrong, uh, but the competitive athlete in me wanted to prove them wrong. So in the summer of 2000, I moved to Tangerang, Indonesia, and I went and lived in a slum with Nike factory workers for a month. And I tried to survive on their sweatshop wages. At the time, they were being paid on average about $1.25 a day. And in living on a Nike sweatshop wage in a rat-infested slum, uh, I lost 25 pounds. And I met the mostly young women who made the stuff that I wore for my whole life as an athlete. And I promised them, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell your stories. I'm going to advocate for you. And I thought I was going to do you know, a speaking tour of like six or eight weeks and then you know, go back to teaching, maybe coaching at the high school level. And I ended up being on the road for seven months and I spoke at 80 schools and I realized that there was a a real hungering for that kind of grassroots popular education. And I decided to form a nonprofit organization back then called Educating for Justice. And I spent 15 years of my life working full time on that issue and I've lectured at more than 500 schools in 44, 45 different states and three different countries. I've been brought to Capitol Hill on multiple occasions to brief members of Congress. I've been brought on to HBO Sports, ESPN, ABC, NBC, Fox, 
and had a talk about Nike's labor practices and the intersection of sports and politics and economics. And I believe that's what has uh, brought me onto your show today uh, about this latest deal that uh, Mr. Kaepernick has signed with Nike and the, the commercial that was heard around the world. Yeah. What, what do you know about the present tense of Nike's labor practices in 2018? Sure. We st- the key issues that we were fighting on back in the late 90s are still a problem. Workers are still paid a wage uh, that is a poverty wage, despite the fact that you know, Nike's done over $30 billion in profits and they can pay you know, endorsement contracts in the tens of millions of dollars. You got workers who are grinding it out every day. Um, you know, you also have a situation where Nike has refused to collectively bargain with workers, trade unions in good faith. And in fact, in, in two of the countries where they have you know, three countries where they do most of their production, China, Vietnam and Indonesia, in Vietnam and China, it's illegal to form independent trade unions. So the workers basic right to freely associate and collectively bargain Uh, for better working conditions are not even respected under the law. Uh, So these key issues have not been addressed despite the more than 20 years of activism that I have been involved on this issue. And, uh, you know, I was just engaged in conversation with factory workers from Indonesia yesterday. And they're telling me, you know, the, the wages are still not enough to meet our basic needs. Nike is actually, within the next year, Nike is going to be pulling production of all of their apparel factories in Indonesia. That's going to put about 30,000 workers out of work. And from the outset, they are refusing to follow Indonesian law and to deal with these workers in good faith and follow the law and how you're supposed to shut down a factory and transition workers through that process. So Nike has not solved their sweatshop problem. They are still ferociously abusing workers, and they are just looking to maximize their profits on the backs of poor people of color in Vietnam, China, Indonesia, and the other 40 countries where they operate around the world. Wow. So, so what was your reaction then? Let's get to what we're talking about on this show today. What was your reaction when you saw uh, first the Colin Kaepernick print ad? Where you know he said you know believe, be, to believe in something you have to be ready to sacrifice everything and then the ad itself. Sure. Well, let me come out of the gate saying that I have and continue to support Mr. Kaepernick 100% on his raising awareness and fighting to end police brutality and the extrajudicial killings of young black men and women around our country by police departments. Uh, That has to be made very clear. One of the frustrations that I have as we're talking about this issue is what is lost, what has been lost, is the reason why Cap was kneeling in the first place. And, you know, we've got I asked a question yesterday of the thousands of people that follow me on social media. You know, do you know who Jason Van Dyke is? Do you know who Laquan McDonald is? Right. And there was silence. My my usual cadre of my white male cisgender privileged buddies who always chime in on stuff were, it was crickets when I raised this question, you know, and, and Laquan was a young 17 year old boy who was shot 16 times. The cop who shot him, Van Dyke said he had a knife uh, and the, the reality, and it was wielding the knife and waving it at him. And uh, you had five officers who backed up this murder murderous account And then the reality is after the dash cam uh, camera gets released, you know, 400 days after the event that he was walking away from the cop. This is what Colin was kneeling over and continues to kneel over and other athletes who support him are doing that. And we cannot forget this. And every athlete in America should be using their platform and standing in solidarity or kneeling in this case in solidarity with Mr. Kaepernick saying that until these kinds of of murders stop by our police departments, we will continue to raise public awareness in any way that we can. Now, having said that, I was sad uh, about this latest move with the Nike ad. And the reason that I am sad is because this is woke washing by Nike. It's a co-opting of the righteous, radical actions that were taken by Colin. 
Now, if Nike had done that commercial, the commercial that they did, if if they like people are saying, oh, Nike really went out on a limb and I'm going to support them and I'm going to run out and buy Nike products. If Nike in that commercial had shown footage of Black Lives Matter marches, had shown footage of Ferguson, had shown a photograph of Trayvon Martin, Eric Gardner, had, had they been showing footage of police beating or shooting a black man. I mean, and I'm not talking about making it up like the real news footage that has been out there time and time again. If they put that in a commercial, now they're going out on a limb. But what Nike has done with this advertisement, again, they've, they've co-opted the righteousness with which Colin was kneeling. And what they are doing is invoking emotion on the part of Americans and reducing those Americans to consumers. They are reducing the issue to capitalist, materialist, consumerist behaviors. And I'm sure you saw as well as I did, thousands and thousands of people saying, I'm gonna support Nike now, I'm gonna go run out and buy a, a bunch of Nike stuff. Even people who were critical of Nike because of the sweatshop issue that we just talked about, I'm gonna go and run out and buy my Nikes. And what I would say to those people is stop. What you should be doing to support Colin Kaepernick and all of the other activists that don't have the platform that he has that have been railing against police brutality for decades, don't go to Nike town and buy stuff to support Nike's bottom line. Go to your local city council meeting and ask your city council, do we have a civilian review board of the police department? Go to your city council meeting, demand that there's a jobs program put in place. Go to your local city council meeting and ask, you know, if, if there's a redevelopment plan that's going on in an urban area, is it creating gentrification or is it creating jobs and affordable housing opportunities for the people that have lived in the poverty for decades? Right? That's what we need to be doing. That, that class consciousness needs to be raised along with the racial justice issues that Colin has so brilliantly raised. Let me ask you this. Uh, in the aggregate, when it's all said and done, is it possible, though, that having a commercial like this could make protesting athletes more confident, could help raise awareness, or is it, in effect, fruit from a poison tree? I think it is fruit from a poison tree, because what is the message that it sends? Take, take your stand or, or take your knee. Yep, you're going to get beat up in the, in the league, uh, but you might end up getting a Nike deal out of it. Now, I do want to say one of the things that also frustrated me was, you know, a lot of my white buddies. Uh, and look, we cannot deny the racism that is involved with the critiques of Colin Kaepernick. Right. And I listened to my white buddy saying, oh, he was at the twilight of his career. He sucked as a quarterback anyway, which completely false on both accounts. Right. And he didn't really sacrifice anything. Now, look, did did Colin sacrifice his life on a on a battlefield somewhere? No, but he did sacrifice something, you know, and, and as a fellow athlete who took a, a critical social justice stand, you know, as an athlete, when you work your whole life to reach the pinnacle of your sport, whether it's as a player, as a coach or both, and you get to the highest level that you can get to, to put that on the line, to stand up for something you believe in and to be blackballed from your sport, it hurts. Yeah. You know, to, to know that, and, and I'm, he knows he's good enough to be on a roster, on almost every roster in the NFL. And that hurts, I'm sure. You know, I knew that I was a good enough coach to be coaching with a Division I team somewhere. I knew that I was a good enough player to be playing. You know, I, after everything went down with me with the, my stand with Nike, uh, I couldn't even get a tryout with the third division clubs. And I've been playing in the third division professionally for three years. Now I'm, look, I'm no star. I'm no Tim Howard or, you know, like any of our national team goalkeepers, but I could play at that level and I couldn't even get a tryout and it hurt. Uh, so there is, there's absolutely sacrifice that was made on the part of Colin. Um, absolutely. You know, and then you pile on the death threats being used yeah. as a punching bag by Donald Trump and 
Yeah. yeah the vet, he has to live now with security 24-7. I mean, there was a, there's a lot that goes into his sacrifice. Yep. It, is, is part of your equation um, that Kaepernick should not have done it all together, or is it more like the content of the ad, like if it had been able to be more political instead of this kind of, you know, very antiseptic, you know, if you believe in yourself, you can do it? Content of the ad being more political, I just it would never happen with Nike. Nike is in the business of making money. You know, they were very calculated in how they stripped away any of the political uh, and social justice nature of Collins' actions and simply used his image to hawk product. And, and it worked for them. You know, okay, they, their market cap dropped a little bit, but their online sales went up 31%. Yeah. So, you know, they're playing the long game on this. And they know they are endearing themselves. They're doing that woke washing. They're creating warm, fuzzy feelings, particularly with millennials uh, who, you know, want companies to be socially responsible. And Nike's doing it on the cheap. They did it on the cheap with the labor rights issues, where for them to pay all their sweatshop workers a living wage, I haven't done the calculations in a while, but when I was really in the thick of things, it would have cost them about $300 million dollars. Well, instead of doing that, they started a social responsibility division, put 120 people on the payroll and gave it a budget of $30 million. And they were able to convince many people with their greenwashing at the time that they fixed their sweatshop problem. They did it for 10 percent of the cost of what it really would have cost. them. That's how a company like Nike operates. And I think with this, you know, they their actuaries ran those numbers and said, yeah, we're going to lose some market cap in the first you know, six months, but you know, we will continue to post record profits and they'll all come back because the people who are making those investments only care about money, just like us, and we'll weather the storm and it's going to boost our sales immediately, which it did. Now, I got to ask you this. Uh, d- does it make um, your head explode to see right-wingers and Trumpites calling for a Nike boycott? I mean, this is something yeah. that you've worked for. Yeah, your, your, uh, for much of your adult life, and then yeah. here, it's coming from this very reactionary place. What, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, it, it's not a, it's not welcomed because it's not coming from a place of justice. It's driven by racism. You know, it's driven by wanting to protect the status quo, and this is why you know when we look at this issue, it's so multifaceted. Uh, you know, there's just so many layers to it. I was in conversation when everything first blew up with, uh, you know, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine uh, and Killer Mike, uh, the rap uh, artist. And, you know, we were I was going in conversations with each of them and, and just the, the layers of complexity and trying to unpack it all. It's an incredible teaching moment, which is why I'm really committed to getting back on the road this semester uh, and next semester and trying to bring my behind the swoosh program to as many colleges and high schools as I can, because I, I, I want to be able to unpack this stuff with students, you know, and adding in this new layer with, um, you know, Kaepernick's ad, I think makes it incredibly timely. Uh, and what we need to be doing is connecting all of these issues and raising that critical class consciousness uh, you know, I, I, there was a a tremendous article that was uh, written by um, Ben. Uh, is it Ben Carrington? Yeah, Ben Carrington. That's right. I, ben and, and Jules. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, their piece that was in The Guardian was brilliant. And they raised that question. They said, if, if we have this critique of of race and police brutality and all the things that go along with it, but it isn't being married with a a hard critique of capitalism, then we're really missing an opportunity. You know, because that's that is what is because if you look at, you know, many of the many of the issues that we see in these communities. Right. Look, I, I live in a predominantly white community on the beach in New Jersey. Six miles to the north is a city that I used to live in and I served on city council which is a predominantly black community. The differences between what goes on where I live now and what happens in Asbury Park are night and day. 
in terms of economic opportunity, the poverty, you know, 30 percent of the people live below the poverty line, 20 percent just above it. You've got gangs, you've got guns, you've got violence, you have issues of, uh, you know, you have policing issues. Well, that doesn't happen in, in a community like the one I'm in now because there's money here. And if, this is why it's so important to connect that economic justice piece, right? because that is the root of this and why we need that hard critique of capitalism and how it seeks ever increasing profit, regardless of the cost to humanity or nature. And it will exploit every opportunity it can get to maximize those returns. And that's what Nike has done with this situation. And I, I'm left asking the questions like, OK, so this Nike ad ran. How does that help end police brutality? Because the conversation it sparked isn't focused on police issues. It's not focused on racial justice. It's not focused on economic empowerment. Right? I, I mean, it sparked the worst in people. As you mentioned, you know, the, these Trumpsters who are burning their Nike sneakers because they're, you know, inherently racist. And I, I got to ask, have there been requests uh, um, from the media for you to speak since the ad? No, I, I, yeah, I try not to let my ego be bruised by this stuff. Um, but you're the first one. Wow. And maybe from this conversation, uh, others That's fascinating will given your exposure on this issue over the course of years that yeah. this well, critique think, is being part, shut out. I think part of it is because, um, you know, my criticism is is going to one – I am going, as I said from the outset, I support Colin 100%, right? I support the Black Lives Matter movement 100%. And I'm incredibly, incredibly critical of Nike. And I'm not buying this ad campaign. And I, I think it's woke washing. And I think that it, in the longer run, it may do a disservice to the intersectional racial and economic justice movement that we need to build in our nation to push back against, you know, what we're seeing evolve from the White House all the way down to the grassroots in places like Charlottesville. Wow. Well, a, a lot for us to think about here. Uh, Jim, Katie, is there anything else you want to add before we go? I want to give you the last word. Sure. Well, I, I would love to continue this conversation. Uh, I, I certainly I'd love to be in conversation with Mr. Kaepernick if if he's interested. So if he listens to this, uh, feel free to reach out to me at Jim at Jim dot com is my email. I would love to hear from you know, once you, you drop the podcast and it's up there. I would love to hear from people on social media. They can find me on Twitter at J-W-K-E-A-D as in doctor, Y. Uh, also on Instagram at J-W-K-E-A-D-Y. And I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jim Keedy. Uh, and I, I do want to continue this conversation. If there are professors out there that are listening, college students, high school students and teachers, I would love to come to your campus uh, this year with the Behind the Swoosh program. And again, I'm adding in this component this year to, to unpack this stuff and, and to talk about it. And I, I do think that it is an incredible opportunity for us to utilize this teaching moment. Uh, I want to thank Colin Kaepernick and the other athletes that have been in solidarity with him. Continue to take your knees uh, because we need to, to have that issue of police brutality and the lack of racial justice in these United States put front and center. That conversation has to be forced on the consciousness of the American people. So please keep doing what you are doing. Uh, and I hope that together we can work in solidarity to marry these racial justice and economic justice issues to have a solid tapestry of a grassroots movement that can bring our country to a new level uh, so that we we are truly living the ideals that we have uh, in our Constitution and other founding documents so that every person can pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm. Jim Cady, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Dave, thanks for having me on. Excellent. That was Jim Cady. Uh, we'll be back right after this with a message from The Nation magazine. We'll be back right after this, but first a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, 
The Nation magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. I wanted to be able to give uh, some multiple perspectives on this issue, so here is a clip from a radio show I do with Atan Thomas called The Collision, uh, where Atan gives his point of view, and you could hear us do a little back and forth about the Colin Kaepernick Nike ad. Check this out. Kaepernick or capitalism (laughs) or a little bit of both? Atan Thomas, your, your, your thoughts on, on what we just heard. Well, number one, I thought it was great. I don't see how people who even don't like Kaepernick, who are even the, the, the far-right people who have been, you know, just hoping and praying that he is, you know, struggling and penalized in any possible way, can look at this commercial, you know, and you have to see the visuals with it, and actually not be inspired. It's like it makes you want to go out and, like, just start working out or start, you know, helping some little kids to, to, to reach their goals or something like that. It's a very inspiring uh, commercial. So from that standpoint, I thought it was absolutely great. From that standpoint, it was absolutely great. Nike's very good at what they do. But what do you think of it, big picture, of Kaepernick finally emerging, his voice finally emerging, and it emerging in the context of this commercial and it emerging in the context of him being a spokesperson uh, for Nike. Okay, I, I have my thoughts. I want to I have Coach say his thoughts first. Uh, go ahead. I want you guys to go on because okay. Coach is if, processing. If you, read, if you read what Dave wrote, uh-huh. uh, his piece on Colin Network's uh, Nike ad, where the revolution will be branded, Dave is lukewarm on this whole thing is my interpretation here. So I'm right. And I understand well, the hesitation, and I, but, but first the, of all, The hesitation people, is about what Nike does to politics. No question. And, and even like in that ad, I mean, here's, this is what, what Nike does. And in advance of Colin Kaepernick, this is what they've done for 30 years, is they have taken people who are on the edge, people who are seen as pioneers, whether it's in filmmaking, whether it's in politics, and they have used them and use their rebel status as a way to sell products. Of course they have. And but that but that's not a that's not a shocker though. I think I think people were putting a little bit too much on Nike and not understanding that they are a business. And they looked at the they looked at the demographics and they decided number one that they'd be just fine without the make America great again money. And sure. the, the Trump crowd, they're not the ones that are buying the new LeBrons, and they're not waiting to buy the new Jordans, and they're not wearing the gear. That's not their demographic. So they, 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 they targeted their market. And, you know, also they know that Nike, that, I mean, that Kaepernick has become one of the most recognizable faces in the world right now. Yeah, business decision. All business decision. Oh, all, that. Everything that I'm about to say is all business decision. But those business decisions can also harm the political message. It has the capacity to harm the political message on well, a couple of fronts. Well, I, I, on a I couple of fronts, one I, is that you have this this uh, the ads released, and you'd never know who what Colin Kaepernick had been protesting for. You mean police brutality? So they never mentioned police brutality. They never mentioned. The they ad. never even mentioned racial inequity. Okay. I mean, which is sort of like the the add-on to it. Like, okay. the, I mean, it, it's just like this. I mean, the, the the vocal content of what Kaepernick's saying, I mean, could have been said by Simone Biles or it could have been said by Michael Phelps. Right. You know, this, like, believe in yourself and you can do anything. Yeah, but That's the fact that Kaepernick... That's a very depoliticized message. Well, but the fact that Kaepernick says it automatically puts you on the side, which is the reason why all the people were now oh, protesting sure. Nike, because it automatically drew the alliance. So, you know, I understand what you're saying, but even that's how big Kaepernick has become, because he's become an icon that has been synonymous with the present-day athlete activist. True. I'm just saying that what does it do when the present-day act- activist athlete is this is the other part of it, is fronting for 
an organization in Nike that, yeah, it's all about business, but it's also an organization that gives millions of dollars to the Republican Party. It's an organization that has been criticized for decades for its use of sweatshop labor. Of course. And it's an organization uh, that just had its own massive Me Too scandal where women reported of the whole company being toxic. Now, I raise all that to say if you're Colin Kaepernick and you are – uh, the rebel athlete that you are, and all respect to Colin Kaepernick, do you, and this is a big question, is like, do you have a responsibility to say something about the very corporation that's now employing you? Now, let me ask you this, then, Dave. Do you think you could find those same practices in every corporation? Uh, in, every, in every speaker corporation, every apparel sneaker corporation. corporation. Because they have the sweatshops all close to each other in different places. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting, though. Nike... There's a there's a particular shall we say odor when it comes to Nike, uh, for a lot of reasons. One is that they've been really on the front lines of the 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 sneaker company that people have protested against. So as far as if we're talking about live protests, live people like athletes, I mean they just at Georgetown had a huge struggle about this, about removing Nike as the as the sneaker for the school. Uh, coach hitting you close to home. Oh, yeah. And people were covering up their Nike swooshes with tape when they were going out onto the field and getting in trouble with the administration. It was a whole thing uh, at Georgetown over this. And CC, because I want to be very clear. It's like I'm not criticizing Kaepernick because, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm not is, I mean, this is somebody who hasn't been able to work for the last couple of years. And so he's fronting for Nike right now. And, uh, I mean, w would I rather he be – you know, fronting for the National Football League is the National Football League. Are their hands so clean? I mean, if he was playing in the league, which I think a lot of us want for him, uh, it's not like then he'd be, you know, head, the head of the Peace Corps or anything. It would be a different kind of very compromised corporation. So this isn't about putting it on Kaepernick. It's about asking the question, what does it do to the message? What does it do to the rebellion? Some people think, and when I say some people, I'm teaching this class now at Montgomery College, and I put it out there to the students, like, what do you think about this? And some, some people think, and this is maybe also how young people think, that it legitimizes the message to have Nike pushing him forward in such a way well, that it somehow makes him uh, that it somehow makes it like, yeah, you were right to do this because now Nike's got your back. And that scares me a little bit. Like we're waiting for like multinational, global, sketchy corporations to tell us that somebody that's that somebody is worth uh, messing with, basically. Well, well let's, let's let's back up a little bit in the corporations. Um, yeah, I, I remember when Starberry had his shoe. And he was putting out why he made them ten dollars, and he said because it doesn't cost that much to make them. And he made it, and he had this big thing where he said every shoe company is doing the same thing. Now Nike might get all the press for it, but they all have the same sweatshops, which is the reasons why they all are be are able to have their shoes um, made at a high a high quantity that they are, and then they sell them for what they what they do. Their Nike's prices are comparable to. Uh, Adidas or the other the other companies, you know what I mean. So it's not really that different when you look at all the different practices. Not in defense of Nike, I'm just saying that if he went with a different company, it wouldn't have been a completely different thing. But but does it? The question is, does it? What does it do to his message? What does it do to his to to what he is fighting for? What he is standing for? Everything. And I don't think it does anything, to be honest with you. I, I don't think that it changes the message. I don't think. Now we know Nike's. Um, is 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 not even concerned with the message. They're concerned with profiting off of it. And I think that's where a lot of the hesitation becomes. But that's where people have to know Nike for who they are and who they've always been. You know, I I had to rethink a, a tweet of of our of our mutual friend Jamel Hill, who I retweeted and I posted, and she was saying that um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but she was saying that Nike was uh, revolutionary. You know, even back in the day when they made Jordan uh, the face of their product. See, that's a dangerous and formulation, right it, it there. It is, but it, it, in a way, it's, it's not. A in a way, it is dangerous so, formulation because it's not. Well, well let me finish yeah. this, though, Dave. Well, what I'm saying is that it's in in a way, yes. There, there, there wasn't necessarily that was the the thought was that that was an area that was a little bit too risky. You know what I mean? But then on the second part, it's Jordan. Like there wasn't a big risk. Anybody with eyes could see 
that Jordan was about to be special and take over basketball. That's, that's like giving MTV props for playing Michael Jackson. I'm like, wait a minute, it was Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Like yeah. anybody with eyes could see that he was about to be the king of music. So I, I, couldn't, I can't give them props on, on doing that. So that's why I had to rethink it. But that's where sometimes you can get caught up in a Nike love because everybody knows how they wanted basically Kaepernick to be punished. And I think that was the initial reaction before people really started looking into and examining, you know, that Nike just did a business move. Because, you know, as you know, you see the people, the naysayers from the right and stuff, almost rejoice in the fact that he's not being signed. They rejoice yeah. in the fact that he's out of the NFL and he's not going to have any more income and all of this stuff. So they're, they're rejoicing. So it's now they're it's like, rejoicing his isolation. Nike sent him, signed him. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that's the initial reaction that we're seeing. I get that reaction, and I celebrate that reaction, too. And anything that brings Colin out of the wilderness is a good thing. It's just there are a generation now of athlete activists who are looking for a lead from Colin Kaepernick. Like, should we kneel or should we not kneel? Should we keep raising the, the temperature on police violence or should we branch out and start speaking about criminal justice reform? What should we be doing? And you know, I, I always think of this line from Shakespeare when it comes to Kaepernick, that some are born great and some have greatness thrust upon them. Mm -hmm. I don't think Colin Kaepernick was necessarily born to lead a new generation of athlete activists. I think he first sat and then took that knee for the very simple reason that he was absolutely appalled by the killings of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile and felt like he had to do something. And But now that greatness is thrust upon him, there's a responsibility that comes with that to actually put down a lead for people. And I don't know if the, the lead that – I mean, this is after, keep in mind, a year of him not talking – and so the first time we hear his voice, it's to sell shoes and it's to say, basically, if you just believe in yourself, you can do it. I just think we have to we have to want more than that. Are you saying are you saying that Nike bought his silence? No, I didn't say they bought his silence because I don't think I think I hope this not. is what I wrote in my article is I think Colin Kaepernick has more than earned the benefit of the doubt uh, to see what he does next. And that, you know, but mm -hmm. let's also be honest, though, that this is a snake pit. When you're talking about Nike. And I think Colin Kaepernick has earned the right to navigate that snake pit to the best of his ability. And I'm curious to see what he does next. But, well, there, but there does need to be a next. It's not enough just to have it be he's going to be the face of Nike. Like I want to know how he going forward he's going to be the face of the fight against police brutality or the fight for criminal justice reform. Like if this is – I want to know if this is going – if this is an end point – face of Nike, or if this is a relaunch of Colin Kaepernick as a public figure, because he really hasn't been a public figure uh, in over a year. And, and this is where I have to, you know, of course, respectfully disagree with you, because I think that this hasn't, there hasn't been, even though that he hasn't said anything publicly, it's not that he hasn't been doing anything. So the first criticism of Kaepernick was oh, that, no, okay. he's been doing a lot. That's no, 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 not, no. That's but, not but, a point of disagreement, because right, I know this, how much he's been doing. Right, mm -hmm. but this is what I'm saying, though. It, it's not saying that, you're, you're saying that there has to be something after this. Well, his statement of what he, of his actual statement of taking a knee was enough to carry that on, because there was nothing different from what he was going to say from the beginning. He made his statement early. So it was interesting because I had a, I was I was speaking at this um, at this university and with all these different journalists and I was debating with all of them with this because they all took this point. They would say, "Well, why did he choose to be silent?" I said, "Because he already said what he had to say." And and if you wanted to hear him say something else, you go back to the quote that he actually said, and you could give all of his reasons of why he was taking a knee from top to bottom, what it was, was it is, what it wasn't, that it wasn't about the military, that it wasn't about the flag, that it was about you know police brutality. That he gave all of his statements. So. You wanting him to repeat it over and over again isn't necessarily going to benefit or, or change what his statement actually was. Now, the work that he was been doing that I was so impressed with was with his Know Your Rights camp. Sure. And what he was doing specifically, and it's like, you know, well, what happens to his message and his work and the things that he's doing? I don't think this changes anything no, at and, all. And I support his right to not speak or speak or to let his early words and actions speak for him. Mm -hmm. But now he's speaking again. And he's speaking again through this ad. And this ad is going to be nationally televised tonight uh, during the debut during of the, the National Football, Football League. Right. And Nike is the official uh, manufacturer of the uniforms that those players are going to be wearing. 
in the NFL. And they actually are the official uniform manufacturer of most of the schools in the Southeastern Conference, too. So it'll be very interesting to see if we're going to see a boycott in, in Dixie of college football just because of this ad. I've, as, as, an, as a parenthetical, I find that, like, let's see how far their boycott actually is going to go. I don't think you're going to see the Alabama good old boys turning away from Roll Tide uh, because of Colin Kaepernick. But now that he is putting his voice out there, it's like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with us asking for more from our heroes. There's nothing wrong with that, especially people who've spent the last couple of years inspired by him, you know, wearing Kaepernick jerseys when they've gone to Charlottesville, as, as I saw, uh, wearing Kaepernick jerseys when they've gone out to, to demonstrate, uh, wearing Kaepernick T-shirts like this kid who goes to my son's school when he takes a knee during the national, during the Pledge of Allegiance that they do every morning and he wears his Kaepernick shirt. Like for people like that, is it okay for them to ask for more, to say, okay, you're speaking right now, and we've been waiting to hear you speak. Is it just going to be in this commercial, or are we going to get to hear more? And I think, and, and I think that the, the issue with that is when people want to craft who a person is going to be. You know, it's interesting when you said that some people are born to lead and some people are thrust into it. I think that a lot of people, when you go through the history of the people who have stood up for different reasons, whether it's Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or, you know, you look at Muhammad Ali, they were things happened during their life to change what they thought. They weren't born into this from the beginning. You know what I mean? It's not like they, they woke up and Malcolm X said, okay, I'm going to be Malcolm X one day. You know what I mean? Or Muhammad Ali, his entire entire you know youth from from all before was not to be the muhammad ali that he ended up being i think that you saw a maturation process um and with kaepernick as he learned more just like you see everybody else as they learn more i am i if he wasn't um if he didn't have the need to go on the different talk show rounds and defend his position and, and debate with Tucker Carlson and you know Bill O'Reilly and stuff, like, I have no problem with that oh, because no that's what it would have turned either. out to be. Everybody would have invited him on their shows to debate him because well, that's what happened. But that that's and not the only option. That's um, not the only option, but they, but it is an option that would have come with him speaking. Yeah, I, but he could have like I mean he can he can still do this, and I hope he still does this. Like I'd love to see. An article from him, like put it in the Players Tribune, you know, or and and just say like this is what this is why I got with Nike. Like actually talk about it, you know. I I hear the criticisms of people who say I need to say something about their sweatshops or about their labor practices or the way they treat women. I understand that. I mean, because it's interesting. Because you know, we expect, I think, and we should expect a lot more from Colin Kaepernick than we did of Michael Jordan, for example. Like you said, Michael Jordan was safe. Michael Jordan got peppered constantly with questions from people who were in United Students Against Sweatshops at the time Mm -hmm. and saying, are you going to say something about sweatshops? And they actually got Jordan to say, all right, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to go down there and check it for myself. He never did. But they got close enough to him that they forced him to have to comment and is it so wrong if to ask that same question of Colin Kaepernick that was asked of Michael Jordan? Is that so wrong? Well, I, it's not a matter of it being wrong or forcing somebody to comment. That's kind of a strong statement there. I mean, I, I, it's just interesting how it's where when Colin Kaepernick has now emerged, now you see a criticism from a different side. You know what I mean? So now it's from mm-hmm. both sides. So that, and it's just a, it, it just goes to the to the fact. Well, the that, one I've seen from the left well, though is very soft. It's just like we support Colin Kaepernick, we love Colin Kaepernick. You see the article I wrote. I was like, Colin Kaepernick gets every benefit of the doubt and all the love in the world. It's just he has to know that he's walking into a snake pit when it comes to Nike, and these questions will come up. That that was the point of what I wrote. And and I hear you, but the but but the the criticisms have come far beyond everything that you that you did write, and you did write with a, with a respectful tone. And everybody that's even heard of you knows, you know that how you feel about Colin Kaepernick. But what I'm talking about is the 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 no win situation that he has that he is in sometimes because of the fact that whatever he does, he will be criticized. And that, that's, that's my point. So at some point, you have to do it your way. And I think what I have a respect for with Colin Kaepernick is he's doing it his way. There was people from, from both sides saying how he should have, he should have spoken out and he, should, he shouldn't be silent. And, you know, of course, from the right, they were just waiting for him to say something so they could criticize it. You know, okay, it was like a setup. But 
there was criticism coming from both sides, and, and he chose, you know, and, and myself and, and you both wanted to interview him. We were both two of the people that we was like, come on, can we interview him? You know what I mean? I had a book coming out. You had a book coming out. There's, you know, article. Everybody wanted to interview him. And he chose not to, to do it a certain way. And that's cool. And, and I never gave, I, you know, and I'm not saying it's the interview's got to be with me. No, no, no. Or not anything like that. You. Yeah. Right, right, right. Just saying interviewing, period. And I'm saying that his, his, his choice to remain silent for that period of time was one that I always said, and we've talked about it before, that I respect his choice to remain silent because he's doing it his way. So, so then it becomes where now that a person has spoken out, now people want to craft him into being the person that they want him mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that he, he is who he is. He is doing his Know Your Right camps the way that he wants to do them. You know what I mean? He's speaking out and aligning with who he wants to. And I think that's where sometimes, and, that, and that's what happens when you become an icon. You know what I mean? That's what kind of goes with it. But you are not going to please everybody when you do become an icon. Muhammad Ali didn't please everybody. John Carlos, Tommy Smith, nobody was able to please any everybody with their stance. They took a stance, and a lot of times they took it alone. And that's really what made them special. But I wanted to talk to one more but point. What's I know different we've is they're, they're bringing Nike into the kitchen. And that that's just different than Muhammad Ali. That's different from Tommy Smith and John Carlos. They're, but, they're, and what effectively you're seeing is the branding of Colin Kaepernick's message. And okay. you have to be very careful when things get branded. For one of the one of the reasons is like Nike's made all these statements about Colin Kaepernick is pushing the world forward and all this stuff like that, but they don't say a word about racism, police brutality, and that's the fear. Is that what and this is not the Nike way? Is they take rebellion and they strip it of all political content. Okay, so so if back in the day. If Muhammad Ali had a had a had a, um, a deal with Nike, say Nike was there, or John Carlos, or anything like that, we know that when he was banned, they wanted to what 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 the right wanted to do with Kaepernick is what they were able to do with Muhammad Ali. Where after he came out from jail, after from prison, he had to go and and try to figure out ways to make money because. You know what I mean? They wouldn't let him box. They wouldn't, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money. They no, and that's, a, that's what but, I wrote, too. I'm, right, I'm all right, for well, Kaepernick being able to make some money right now, especially not having worked for a couple of years. Of course. Now, now uh, we've both spoken to John Carlos. We did a book with him. I've had him in my book, and I've heard him say that when he came back from the 68 Olympics, he couldn't get any jobs anywhere. Nope. He couldn't get any speaking engagements. But now he's getting speaking engagements in universities and things of that nature, and that's a good thing. So one of the things that, that happens is once money is involved, people think that that, that changes the message. Never in mind with the person who is, who is giving the money. So the university wants to profit. The university doesn't have to agree with what Muhammad Ali or what John Carlos was saying, but they're, having him, they're paying him to speak there. You know what I mean? I, I don't think Nike has any point on this issue. They, they see an opportunity to be able to cash in on a, on a, profit, on a target market. But let's use this. Let's opinion. use this as an example but, for the. But wait, 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 hold up! But yeah. does that change the person's message? And I think your fear is that his message is now going to become watered down because he has an endorsement. But but does that change his message if he is still the same person doing the same things that he did before? I applaud people who are giving John Carlos an opportunity to speak, and I wish he would have had these opportunities in the '60s. And I bet you he wishes that too. No, absolutely. But to use the university as an example, let's say hypothetically. There was, and let's pretend that John Carlos and I are in conversation, or I'll I'll put it on myself because I'm I'm going to speak at Ohio State this Sunday, for example, okay. for a very nice payday, and I and I want that money, no question about it. If I showed up on campus and they said, "Yo, there's a strike on campus," and so they're asking people not to speak, then I'd have no choice but to not cross that picket line and not speak. Because who? The, I mean, it would have been it would be crazy to get up there and say, you know, like, hey, sports struggle, people protesting is really good, and hell with your picket line. Or if I was invited um, to Israel to do some big talk, and I was asked by people of Palestinian descent to not make that trip and not cross their picket line and what they're trying to do. They're important political questions when there's money attached to it in terms of how to navigate that ethically, and. What I'm saying is I am not saying that Colin Kaepernick, I want to be really clear about this, has any obligation to say anything about Nike's labor practices. I'm not saying any of that. I am saying that I am troubled 
by people who I think should know better, who are online saying, yeah, I'm now going to go buy five pairs of Nikes to support what they're doing and are turning it. I mean, because I'm all about I'm all about the Kaepernick love. I'm all about him getting his money. I'm all about him finding a way to have his voice heard. I'm telling you that I hope it gets to I hope he gets an even greater platform from than that. But people who are like, yeah, now I'm going to go buy a ton of Nikes as if buying Nikes is somehow a statement of social justice. That's concerning to me. I, and I and I agree. I, I hear you there. And also, the, and that's why I said earlier that, you know, it was the, the immediate jubilation that somebody has sided with Kaepernick, who has appear, apparently been blackballed from everybody, because we've seen this story before. And we've seen what the right wants to happen. And yeah. seeing them and seeing them so upset, you know what I mean? And seeing them so upset and burning their shoes and saying they would never buy Nike again because Nike has associated with this person that we wanted to make a leper but where nobody it, would touch him. But you said it earlier uh, to, earlier in this very broadcast, and you're absolutely right. It's not that Nike is siding with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. They're siding with the reaction that he provokes. Nike wants the love and the hate. Nike's not saying we stand with Colin Kaepernick because we support his fight against police violence. They're saying we stand with Colin Kaepernick because the opposite of love is not hate but indifference in this marketing world. And we want all the love. We want all the hate. We want all the Facebook impressions and Twitter impressions. We want all the visceral reaction that this guy produces. Mm -hmm. They want all of that. And in that context, they're going to stir up love. They're going to stir up hate. They're going to stir up whatever they can for the broader purpose of selling us swoosh-laden stuff that's stitched in horrible conditions in Southeast Asia. Right, and in the process also, they're also picking a side. They're also, they're also picking a side. We're saying, okay, this side over here is the side that, we, even though we know that you're our demographic, but this is the side who we're gonna, that we're going to choose to go with, and why would they want to silence this side if that's what embodies the entire side? The, you look at his, you look at his, his jersey sales. You know what I mean? He didn't even play last year. Yeah, he was top in the top 50, 50 in jersey sales. Absolutely. You know, so, so it's not, it's a, it's a calculated business move. So I'm not going to say, I'm not here to say that Nike is great and Nike is uh, revolutionary, and it's not about Nike. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I'll say that every single time. They made it a calculated business move. Yeah. You know, to, to play to who are their demographics. If it wasn't their demographics, they would not have done it. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Zirin from the Edge of Sports Podcast. We are trying to add all kinds of bells and whistles to this pod. To do that, we need more folks who can sustain its existence. Go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. That is where you'll find us. If you become a patron, you'll see you get all kinds of little treats. But it's so important that people help us sustain and do the work. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. And you can give five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, or if you're feeling mighty generous, a hell of a lot more than that. And all of that helps us do the kind of work that we're trying to do on the regular. Patreon.com slash Edge of Sports Pod. And now back to the broadcast. And now I've got my own choice words about Nike and Colin Kaepernick. Okay, look. On Sunday, as we all know, shockwaves went through the sports and marketing worlds when news broke that the quarterback, blackballed by the NFL for kneeling during the anthem to protest police violence, Colin Kay, would be the face of the 30th anniversary of Nike's Just Do It ad campaign. The ad is an unairbrushed, black-and-white close-up of Kaepernick's face with the slogan, Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Immediately, this sent social media into paroxysms of confusion. Liberals and left-wing commentators found themselves largely praising the brave decision of the global sneaker behemoth and promising to buy some Nike products to show support for the move. Others on the left stopped short of singing Nike's praises, but saw it as a victory for Kaepernick. He stood by his principles and now has a sweet shoe deal to show for it, which for many further legitimized his decision to protest. On the right, there were calls for demonstrations against the sneaker company. Boycott Nike trended on Twitter. Scenes of people burning their sneakers or cutting the swooshes off of their clothes also went viral. This is a head-spinning set of circumstances, as I hope we've shown so far on this show. 
Nike has been for decades a target of protests by student activists, with organizations like United Students Against Sweatshops on the front lines for their notoriously poor labor practices. Earlier this year, the company was also accused of fostering a sexist work environment with chronic harassment. The opening line of a New York Times expose was, For too many women, life inside Nike had turned toxic. Then there is Nike boss Phil Knight, who gave 500 grand in 2017 to Oregon Republican gubernatorial candidate Newt Bueller. When it comes to marketing, for three decades, from Spike Lee's famous Air Jordan ads to John McEnroe's Rebel with a Cause campaign to its current campaigns featuring LeBron James and Serena Williams, Nike has used the image of rebellion to sell its gear while stripping that rebellion of all its content. As Gino Ficinati, Nike's vice president of brand for North America, told ESPN, We believe Colin is one of the most inspirational athletes of this generation who has leveraged the power of sport to help move the world forward. The idea that Nike executives would position themselves as messengers of Kaepernick's righteous years-long struggle is, to put it mildly, galling. In Nike's antiseptic, hollow corporate speak, Kaepernick is simply moving the world forward. There's no mention here of police violence or racism, and it would be stupid to expect it. This is Nike. Asking them to be a voice for social justice is like asking a dog to meow. All that being said, this is a case more complicated than just calling out Nike for commodifying dissent. Kaepernick has spent the last two years being showered with hatred and death threats, vilified on social media and from the presidential bully pulpit. In the last year, he has given away over a million dollars of his own money. He has been unable to earn a living during the prime years of his career. It is a great thing that he is actually going to earn an income and receive funding for his activist works. It's also satisfying that after two years in the political wilderness, he is getting an outpouring of support from those defending an ad with a message that reinforces the power of political sacrifice. Nike, let us not forget, is the official sponsor of the NFL, so this ad campaign is a thumb in the eye of every owner who has colluded against him. Imagine the first time this ad plays during a commercial break in an NFL game. Jerry Jones' head might explode clean off his body. So good for Colin Kaepernick. But global multi-billion dollar corporations that run an archipelago of sweatshops don't underwrite rebellions. They co-opt and quash them. If anyone can navigate this snake pit, it is Colin Kaepernick. But it won't be easy. The revolution will not be branded. We should be honest about that. The message of standing up to police violence and racial inequity shouldn't end up in a swoosh-laden graveyard. That's the risk that comes with this sponsorship. But if anyone has earned the right to take that risk, in my humble opinion, it's Colin Kaepernick. Now it's time for the Just Stand Up Award. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. The Just Stand Up Award this week. Stand up! I got a couple of folks. First and foremost, I just want to give a shout out to the WNBA, the Seattle Storm, and the Washington Mystics for coming together in this WNBA Finals after probably the most exciting WNBA season of my lifetime. Watching the playoffs, watching the Seattle Storm take down Phoenix, and watching the Washington Mystics and Elena Deladon uh, make it despite her knee getting completely jacked up. It was too exciting for words. As we're recording this, uh, the series has just gotten started, but I just wanted to give a big shout-out to the WNBA for giving us a brand of basketball that should not be overlooked. I also want to give a shout-out to a friend of the show, Michael Bennett, who was the only athlete to show any kind of dissent during the Thursday night opening NFL game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. That's very brave to do in this political climate. Uh, During the National Anthem, Michael Bennett was seen walking along the Philadelphia Eagles bench and then taking a seat. Uh, He's doing so because he wants to use that space of the anthem to protest the gap between what this country says it stands for and the reality of racist police violence in this country. There were a couple more incidents of racist police killings, taserings during this last week, the horrific case in Dallas of a police officer entering the wrong apartment in her apartment complex, seeing a man who lived in that complex, who it was his apartment, and she shot him dead, and now they're pursuing manslaughter charges against her. 
which is not typical charges that go against a police officer, but it just shows you how egregious that killing was. But as they say on social media, that's why they kneel, or in Michael Bennett's case, that's why they sit. So big shout out to the WNBA, big shout out to Michael Bennett. The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award goes to a Republican committee official in Pennsylvania who called NFL players who took a knee during the anthem baboons and ignorant blacks and told them to go back to Africa in racist posts on Facebook. She wrote, tired of these overpaid ignorant blacks telling me what I should believe in. She also is a big time Trump supporter, obviously, with pictures of her in her Trump gear all over her Facebook page. Her name is Carla Maloney. I want that name known. Let the racists be pulled out of their sheets and from the shadows. That's Carla Maloney. She's already resigned from her position as secretary of the Republican committee in, I think, Beaver Falls. And guess what? That's not even good enough. So Carla Maloney, you are a Trump-supporting racist, as if there was any other kind. Congratulations. Just sit your ass down. Believe it or not, we do have more stuff to say about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Lost in all of the noise around the Nike ad is the fact that Colin Kaepernick's collusion case against the NFL is moving forward. The NFL owner's attempt to dismiss the case was rudely kicked to the curb by an arbitrator named Stephen Burbank. And the substance of what Stephen Burbank said is actually really important as we discuss this. Uh, Stephen Burbank made clear that This wasn't only a case of collusion, but that this was a case of labor collusion. This is an important deal because now this has become not just an issue of free speech, not just an issue of collusion, but an issue of, as Burbank made very clear, uh, the owners violating the collective bargaining agreement. Now that that's front and center, it means that if NFL ownership loses this case, it will invalidate the collective bargaining agreement three years before it is due to expire in 2021. And oh my goodness, that would put the owners over a barrel. It would mean that during the NFL season, uh, they would be forced to renegotiate right then and right there. So big props to Colin Kaepernick, big props to his legal team, big props going forward in what is an obvious case of collusion. And if you don't believe me, just look at the quarterbacks on the Miami Dolphins and that'll tell you all you need to know. Well, that's all we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Jim Cady for joining us. Thank you so much to Colin Kaepernick for giving us the content to do this show on a week-in, week-out basis. We'll spread our wings next week, maybe talk about something else, heaven forfend. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody out there listening. Really appreciate the feedback. Please don't hesitate to review the podcast. If you dig it, go to Stitcher, iTunes, or your podcast app of choice. Give a rating, write a review. We need those. It makes a huge difference. Big shout out to Patreon for keeping us afloat. Uh, People can go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod if they want to support the podcast. If you have any suggestions for the Just Stand Up or Just Sit Your Ass Down awards, please don't hesitate to email me, Dave Zirin, at edgeofsports at gmail.com. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.